1: Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hi everybody, how you doing? Welcome to this week's show. My guest will be Jeff Saunders. We sat down while we were in Sao Paulo, Brazil at the GEP conference and we talked about a couple different subjects. Uh, We don't really have the quietest area. Again, we had to use kind of an unused restaurant in between classes and on the opposite side of a glass wall is the world's largest tattoo convention. So a little bit of background noise, but the interview still came out good. We've got uh, three sections. The first one's going to be on uh, Jeff's experience with the Fakir intensives as an instructor and his, his opinions on getting your continuing education or maybe getting some education before you even get into the industry as an apprentice. Uh, the next section, uh, we'll talk about uh, Dath Piercings, Doth Piercings, and then after that, we'll talk a little bit about uh, Jeff's new studio, Gamma Piercing in Michigan. So stick around. Uh, each section is about 20 minutes long, so we've got a pretty long episode for you this week. So stick with us, and I'll be back after part one. Okay, so uh, I am here in Sao Paulo, Brazil at the GEP Congress, and I am
0: here with... Ah, uh, this is Jeff Saunders. Uh, APP president, uh, Fakir Intensives instructor, blogger, hopefully nice guy. International
1: piercing celebrity. (laughs) King of the
0: selfies. (laughs) All right, I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh,
1: So one thing I wanted to talk to you since we're at an educational conference is your takes on continuing education in the industry. Uh, For people who might not be aware of it, you're one of the lead instructors at the Fakir Intensives in California. Um, Talk about that a little bit.
0: Well, uh, specifically, the Fakir class is very near and dear to my heart. Um, I originally took the class in 1999 and uh, at the time it was considered basically the end of my apprenticeship. When I got back from Fakir, I was a piercer. Um, And one of the great things about that was that when I got back from the Fakir intensives, uh, everything I had learned uh, during my apprenticeship was uh, put in perspective and was updated appropriately. Um, and my world sort of was, was rocked because uh, I really thought like, wow, this is a fantastic worldview of body piercing. And that worldview has really stuck with me. Um, I then took every class they offer, which at that point was the branding class and the advanced class. Um, and I started teaching for them in 2004, 2005-ish, uh, and have been part of the team ever since. Um, Who were
1: the instructors when you took the class, originally?
0: Originally, my instructors were uh, Dustin Allower, Ken Coyote, Ian Bishop, uh, Todd Almighty, uh, and Vikir, um, and uh, a little bit of help from Eve Zamora. hmm um, and then my advanced class was the same group and as well as Seth Cameron and Natalie Lowery. So that's
1: a really good start of a, a piercing career. I, I didn't really have anyone teach me anything. I just kind of like tried to figure out some stuff on myself through videos. Like I was watching like the Pierce with the Pro videos oh, cool. like in my friend's living room and then we'd pierce each other in the bathroom. Like that's that's how my career started. Uh, and then, you know, going to conference kind of like blew my mind. And then that's when I really started taking like piercing education seriously. I feel like a lot of piercers today, uh, they're not really trying to just figure it out as much. It seems like a lot of younger people uh, in the industry Maybe even some who haven't even had the opportunity to start in a, an official apprenticeship yet are like hungry for the information and they're like trying to search it out as kind of like a primer to their career rather than like continuing education for their career. Right. And it's a
0: really a great era to be piercing in, right? Because a lot of times uh, newer piercers have up-to-date information that they were previously Uh, uh, not allowed to have like I know for me when I came back and I'm not knocking my mentor uh, but when I came back from Fakir the new information was threatening yeah Uh, the new information was something that uh, it's been working so well why would we update and I think there's always going to be that element in uh, body art culture because people don't like people get comfortable in place and they tend to not want to move from there they think it's unnecessarily expensive it's the next generation threatening their generation yeah and and the from from my point of view that stuff isn't very threatening right Mm -hmm. like uh uh and in fact if i've got someone that's young and enthusiastic and is doing the work for me and comes to my shop and it it like is is excited like what about this update as long as we can have an informed discussion about it, it's a great place to be. Yeah. And with all these resources that people have, uh, I know uh, Brett Perkins and Pat McCarthy are talking about doing a, a new educational thing. Uh, there's Fakir. there's APP, but there's also, and you and I both know this, uh, there's UK APP, yep. uh, there's BMX, there's LBP. Yep. We're in Brazil teaching yep. classes. Yep, there is so much more information, and probably one of the most accessible forms is the app online education, yep. which is just top notch. It's just it's fantastic. I was like really thrilled to be a part of it, and then I got to watch the videos and take the classes, and I was just like, I was I'm I'm learning something. Yep. This is fantastic, yeah. and I learn something every time I watch them,
1: especially because it has like a really competitive price point. So I think even the the people who might I mean, lazy is the wrong word for it, but uh, the people who maybe don't want to have to put in a lot of effort to track down the best information, we're some of the cheapest information also, so that really drives a lot of people to that class, and then they get this great educational package for, like, a really affordable price. Right,
0: right. Well, I, yeah, the price has to be good because our... And I when I, I'm donning the APB president hat, our mission is uh, to provide information yeah. uh, and, and make that information readily available there is certain financial restrictions on that like yeah. we can't take a loss on that class mm-hmm. as much as nice as it would be yeah. uh we've got it, it's not in our best interest or the in, interest of long term education but if you're in a small town and you're not able to charge a lot of money for your piercings or if you're in another country and even though like an OSHA United States Bloodborne pathogens class isn't gonna get you anywhere with your local Department of Health uh, it will give you some very solid information that you can then go to your shop and make improvements and think about things critically maybe maybe your shop doesn't need an improvement and maybe you just needed some outside perspective to help you appreciate what has already been built well one of my favorite things about it is it's made specifically
1: for the body piercing industry I, I took I mean, if you, if you think that you're taking a, a bloodborne recertification every year, and I've been piercing for almost 20 years, I've taken that BBP course over and over and over and over again, and with the exception of the ones that I've done at conference or online through the APP, they've had nothing to do with the body piercing industry. It, it's always been just kind of like, oh, you know, if there is blood, you need to clean it up. And then if you ask the instructor, well, you know, what's the most appropriate disinfectant? What's the most appropriate PPE? They're, they just look at you and they're like, well... Whatever you need in your state, you know, and it's like you can't get those specific answers unless you go to industry specific
0: education. Right, and you know, I, I think we also owe a debt of gratitude to like Dave Vidra, uh, who was doing that industry specific BBP very early on, and I'm sure several others. I don't want to uh, uh, have a brain fart and forget anybody, but I think specifically of his class, was just like, all right, here is all of this information that's really helpful. And specific to my situation. In yeah. the same way that if you're a nurse, right? Like you want something that's specific to your, your industry. And I, I get that. People need that because it makes them safer. Do you feel like more
1: education will be skewed towards online learning in the next few years? And where do you think the line is of what's appropriate for online learning versus what's not?
0: I think we'll find out. Yeah. Uh, You know, one of the issues with online learning is that the second you print it, it's dated. Yeah. uh, And there's that constant need to reevaluate. So you need people that are really, really motivated to keep the information fresh, update when necessary. And one of the nice things about uh, specifically the APB bloodborne pathogens class is that states change their rules regularly yeah. so the class is being constantly reevaluated. To make yeah, because sure it's, it has all the options for like the California version, the Florida version all these different things Right, yeah. and, and, and people will ask things like hey, why is there a sterile gloves section in a bloodborne pathogens class? That's never been required Yeah well certain states actually want that? And rather than just take it out for, make a, I'm picking one out of a hat, but like a South Carolina specific class, yeah. it made sense that, you know, hey, you may want to know how to use your sterile gloves. Let's just put it in there. Yeah. Um, so uh, as far, I, I'd really like to see online education sort of uh, uh, really uh, expand. Um, I, there's a lot of effort behind the scenes to make that happen. Um, and I think it gives us an opportunity to do things that are actually harder classes yeah in conference the APP conference but also all of these other conferences we are talking about there is a limit and that is people's attention span people's uh, uh, you know energy level through an entire week yeah you can actually take a four-hour class online make it very very dense Mm -hmm. and full of information and yeah you might not do it all four hours in one sitting you yeah. might break it up but that's the beauty of online learning yeah there's no deadline right if it takes you two weeks to finish the class great yeah the few times that myself and my staff
1: have taken the the course it's been over a work day so you know it's if we have a one hour lull it's like okay go sit and do an hour of it and then you know do this task take a lunch break or something come back to it so you stay fresh and you stay engaged in it you're not just kind of like sitting there falling
0: asleep or checking your phone in the classroom right and and I I'm hoping that we can and it, you know it's a very big challenge I'm hoping we can get some very very challenging heady subjects in there I don't know that online will ever be a good place to discuss piercing technique uh, I don't know if online is a great place to get into nuanced philosophical discussions Uh, on the other hand very very factual like i i think of bloodworm pathogens as a good example the facts don't change and there's an existing standard yeah it's not opinion based it's fact based and and i think that gives us a little bit more uh, room for editorial uh content at the APP conference but it also gives us a little bit more room for uh, techniques classes, which people are always hungry for. We'll always have a struggle with maintaining a perfect balance there. I, yeah. I, I don't know that I nor anyone else thinks they've got that perfect formula. Yeah. But we're working on it, and I think uh, more is certainly better. The more we can get out there and available to people, the, the better all body piercing
1: will become. I think it's also great, too, because it seems that a lot of the private education is really geared almost specifically towards technique. Like, when Luis goes out and does his seminars, it's, it's all technique, you know, and he just kind of says, you know, you are already experienced professionals, I'm gonna trust that you know your cross-contamination, things like that, so let's just focus on techniques. So it's great to have the APP there as a resource to say, Okay, you can work on your techniques, but you also need this foundation level of, of your safety information.
0: Right. That's actually uh, interesting that you brought that up because that was a very early on discussion, way before I was part of the Fakir Intensives, with the Fakir Intensives uh, approach, which was we could probably teach you health and safety by directing you to certain books or certain local community college classes. And, the, and keep in mind this is early 90s. Yeah. Um, CPR and first aid is available to you. What isn't available to you at all is how to get a septum straight. Yeah. It, what's not available to you at all is like, oh, hey, that that cord on a PA, you don't want to pierce through it. Here's why, from experience. Yeah. Um, and that that was the perspective of the class. Like, let's teach piercing. We're going yeah. to cover enough health and safety to introduce the topics and make sure that because you know. Uh, the Fakir class is hands-on. We want to make sure that our students aren't messing up, and yeah. they understand why we're changing gloves yeah. and things like that. Uh, but it's also uh, it, it made updates in that class much easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Ken Coyote, who's basically the guy that's in charge, uh, he and I were discussing. Uh, our health and safety perspective and the need for an update. And it it was funny was that as much as it was coming from me, it was coming from him, even though he doesn't work every day in a piercing studio. Um, And our perspective was, we want our students to go either disposable or with instrument washers, which is way different than what you hear coming from most modern uh, body piercers in their perspective. There's still this, this... uh, ultrasonic uh, approach. And I, I we, we, were, it was, we were able to put in that block of just like, okay, we're going to update our health and safety and let's update it for 2020, not right. 2015. Right, looking forward instead of just what's right in front of you. Yeah, but it was also a much simpler part of the class at that point. It yeah. gave us more time to discuss technique and yeah. we really got to work on that part. And that's the part that I think is just so great about the gear class is that it's not one person's opinion or one person's experiences it's a group of 20 to 30 instructors over a 25 year span of time yeah so it's a really wide perspective yeah and then it's distilled down to what has been a consistent for a beginner like how are you going to make sure that you don't that you're successful most of the time yeah We've got that, right? And then we were able to write in a new class, the comprehensive class, that spoke more towards experienced piercers. And that just became necessary over time because we, the piercers had gotten so much better. Like yeah. back to your original point of like, oh, you know, a lot of the newest piercers have all this great information coming through the door. Yeah. We didn't need to explain to anybody what a circular barbell was. Right. You know? Right. Uh, uh, so the, the basic class still has a, a great place, but a lot of times if you're a more experienced piercer, you're nine months into an apprenticeship, yeah. you a couple you're years Yeah, you're getting a lot of repeat and, information. Yeah, the comprehensive is the class for you.
1: So what's... What's the percentage of like complete newbies, like people who haven't even gotten to an apprenticeship stage yet, with the intensives?
0: With well, that's a constant change, and it really depends on class to class. Okay. Um, but what we've found is that uh, the comprehensive class is usually. Uh, a lot of people that are from bigger cities yeah. uh, and they had more access to piercers. right? So they were able to train earlier and get involved earlier. The basic class tends to be people that don't have that access. Maybe right. there's one good shop and they're 100 miles away yeah. and they don't get to do the fight club thing where they just nag them right. until they're the apprentice. Yeah. Right? Like they have the will and a lot of times they have the know-how uh, from a business point of view Uh, they just they need their foot in the door and that foot in the door of the basic class then gets them their apprenticeship right and that's a big part of that basic class. It's just like, hey, we didn't turn you into a piercer. We turned you into a competent apprentice. Right. <laughs> you know, like, right. if you don't have any other piercing training, if you haven't gotten to watch somebody reprocess tools, you can't go home and open a shop. Like,
1: Do you feel like there's any risk there when, when you take people who, you know, you inform them, like, you're you are not walking out of here a trained piercer. You're walking out of here with piercing knowledge. Do you feel like there's ever that gray area of people that maybe do things counter to your teaching or irresponsibly? Absolutely. They're, yeah.
0: they're, and, and I think one of the things about the uh, specifically Fakir's approach is he considers like learning piercing a human right. Right. Which is a really interesting approach, right? Like, oh, if you want to learn how to do this, you're allowed to learn. Yeah. Um, you, you can't help if people take your good information and do all the stuff you said not to with right. it. But I, I think that you could just take the whole group of piercers that have done the thing we told them not to, and they don't last very long. Yeah. I, essentially, and this is, you can get into like free market uh, capitalism discussion, but if you're learning how to pierce, <laughs> at the same time you're starting a business, at the same time you're the new person in town yeah good luck yeah. right yeah in a way if you can get through that successfully then you probably had what it took right and, and there's a few people that I know uh, that that did that that did the thing we asked them not to do and they were successes and they're great piercers they just sometimes people are brilliant they're very good yeah um, but I am much happier that there's something accessible to people who feel like there's no other way to get their foot in the door right. Because that's one of the things I think piercing and piercers tend to do is they forget that uh, by making it exceptionally hard to get an apprenticeship, by making it exceptionally hard uh, to make a living while you have an apprenticeship, you end up distilling your talent pool down uh, to the most privileged. Yeah. Um, And often uh, people that... uh, uh, just have like this enormous support of their parents which is great yeah but if you're broke that doesn't mean that
1: you're not a lot of like the american dream piercers yeah, yeah.
0: like there, you can be broke and talented yeah the two are not mutually exclusive and the industry suffers when we eliminate only the uh, eliminate all the talent except the most privileged right um you can tell I probably think about this too much. But well, that's one of the reasons that I uh, am the APP president. No, no, no. no, God, no. Uh, uh, <laughs> that uh, uh, That's one of the reasons that I think it's really nice that there's a Fakir class. Yep. That's one of the re- reasons I'm really so happy the APP put out the apprenticeship guidelines and curriculum. Because yep. it prevents, uh, it doesn't prevent. But it empowers apprentices that may be in an abusive situation yeah, to say. they can understand what's professional and not professional. Yeah, here's here's an outside perspective. What's going on isn't right. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, the membership committee and everybody else that puts so much into that, I think they did a great job of presenting a nice minimum standard. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it's great to have an objective minimum standard yeah. there. So.
1: I, I think there's a, a pretty good likelihood that by the end of the year I'll have another apprentice. Oh, awesome. And I'm going to pretty so much exciting. just use that
0: as a framework for it. Oh, man. It makes me really happy because I think uh, a lot of the best and brightest piercers are the most reluctant to take on apprentices. And I was just like, no, no, no,
1: do it. There was a long period through my career where I was like, absolutely not. You know, the industry is oversaturated, this and that, da-da-da. And then I started to think, like, the industry isn't oversaturated. The industry is very undersaturated for skilled professionals. Mm -hmm. It's oversaturated for people that are are untrained and unskilled. Uh, So... I, I'm much more open to it you know I apprenticed Aaron and then I apprenticed Evan and they were great experiences you know and I, I wish that I would have had an experience like that when I started my career and you know I, I feel like I would have been a lot better in the long run for it you know it took me a, a years to unlearn bad habits and to regain that that foundation that uh, I never
0: really started with. Right and I'm very thankful that I I had a heck of a foundation to build on you know uh, it's really nice when that happens. Um, and there's a lot more resources to both Piercer and Mentor, right? Like, maybe you would like something like the APP to, uh, uh, a- a- as, like, a uh, an essential part of your apprenticeship. Like, yeah. hey, you're going to do the apprenticeship, but I need you to go- do... The APB bloodborne pathogens class. I need you to do the personal protective equipment class. Like right. these things that uh, have been written for you yeah. and, and don't cost a lot. Um, and then you've got conference and in uh, a variety of different languages and yep. stuff. There's a lot of opportunities there that that weren't there if you were training up here in 1990. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's great. So uh, for anyone interested in the Fakir Intensives,
1: where would they find that information online?
0: You'd go to www.fakir.org, that's F-A-K-I-R, and under that is uh, a thing that says Piercer Training. Click on that and it goes through all the classes. How often do you hold the classes? Uh, They're not regular, but there's usually four to six a year. Is that Uh, basic and comprehensive? Yeah, usually basic, comprehensive, um, My fingers are solidly crossed that we'll do another advance next year. We don't do them often because we need enough skilled people that have taken the basic or the comprehensive that then want the final piece of the puzzle. Right. Um, And uh, it takes a while before we have a group that's ready for that and can spend the money. Cool. All right. So if you're
1: interested in uh, refreshing some information or gaining new information, check out fakir.org. So next up, we're going to do a conversation about uh, doth piercings. I, I say dave piercings, but part of what we talk about is kind of where where that name came from in the first place. Jeffs talks about the, the origins of the name. Uh, we talk about the, the debate as to whether or not they have any therapeutic benefit for migraines. I wouldn't say that either of us are kind of arguing that they do, but it's mostly just kind of talking about how to talk about them, basically, you know, talking to your clients, to maybe not ruin their expectations, but to to make sure they have kind of like realistic expectations for it. So uh, part two is going to be about that, and then stick around for part three where Jeff talks about opening his new studio in Michigan. All right, so we're gonna have another conversation about you say doth, right? I say doth, yeah. I typically say Dave but I, I can say either whatever. I'm flexible. Uh, so we we talked a little bit before in a previous episode about doth piercings uh, related to the supposed uh, curative effect that they have against migraines and earlier on when we had the conversation it was basically just kind of making this hard stance of body piercings are not medically therapeutic Uh, they can be therapeutic for personal reasons aesthetic reasons things like that but there's no proven scientific evidence that can show that there is a a curative effect to it and you know over I don't know how many you've done in the last year but I've done like boatloads of them Mm -hmm. and you know i'd still say that there are people that walk through the door and they just want it because it's a cool looking piercing but the vast majority bring up the word migraine or headache and I, i always give them my boilerplate answer of we don't offer any piercing for a therapeutic reason there's no scientific evidence to say that this can be connected to that we only offer it for aesthetic reasons if you're still willing to perform if you're still willing to get the piercing i'm happy to perform it for you as long as you understand that i'm not making any sort of claims about a Medical benefit. Right, right. But still, I get all these clients who just uh, say, you know, I'm, I'm desperate. I understand that there is no proof. I understand that it's purely anecdotal and, and that, you know, I'm not really expecting it to do anything, but I'm still having these crippling migraines. And even my neurologist at this point has told me to, to come in and, and give it a shot. Like, what, what do you think about that? Are you having any sort of similar experiences?
0: Well, yeah, yes, for sure. And I think part of it, the the industry's reaction to the doth migraine thing was, uh, I don't want to take too much credit for it, but I, I put out a blog entry about it where I sort of, I said, I don't think it's likely that um, the the doth piercing is actually medically beneficial. Yeah. Um, I did say in it, and I don't think probably uh, uh, loudly enough, that I'm open to the idea that it's a possibility as likely as it is that there is some evidence that it's helpful um you feel like that's more of a placebo effect I, well i don't it's so difficult to say right i i do think that we know with placebo effect we know that a sugar pill isn't as effective as a shot and you can even tell the person i am giving you a placebo pill let me know how you feel in the morning. Yeah. And then you, the next day you give them a placebo shot and they, they will report the shot as being more effective. When you get into a doth piercing, which I've had mine a few times, it's not always the easiest one to get done. We're taking, we're ramping it up that next level. Right. Um, to, I don't want to say surgery, right? But you're you but physical is, contact, breaking the skin. And it's there and yeah. it takes months to heal, yeah. right? That's a big thing. So it, it's, yeah, in terms of... Like it's placebo on steroids in that regard if it's placebo, right? And I'm still open to the fact that it may not be it could be effective but until there's science to back that up then we don't know but that's kind of the discussion that I have and I'm fortunate sort of fortunate and not fortunate my shop's not super busy right now it's only a couple months old I have plenty of time to have this discussion with people Um, and I will never say, no, I won't pierce you for that. And the last thing I'll say is that's stupid, right? Because uh, a a big part of my issue is that I don't want to see piercers take advantage of... uh, People in desperation. Yeah. Migraines can put you in a very desperate state. I understand that. Um, But not taking advantage of them... (laughs) Also means you're not ridiculing them right. or poo-pooing their their last-ditch effort, right. Right? right? So I think there's a really important middle road that you can walk where you still do the piercing. Yeah, I'm not a terribly empathetic person, mm-hmm. uh,
1: but when, when people tell you, know, believe it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> when people tell me these stories, you know, like it, it, it you know, sometimes it, it really resonates with me. And i i've never had I've never had a migraine. You know, mm-hmm. I've had bad headaches. But I've never woken up and realized that like my day is ruined now because I I can't get out of bed, I can't open my eyes, I can't be in bright light, I, anything like that. I've never experienced that. Right. And these people who say I've gotten Botox injections in the side of my head, I've gotten you know nerve block surgery, I, I've I've done this, I've done that, I've all, I've done all these extreme measures, and now like I'm, I'm willing to try anything, and I'm even willing to try a body piercing, which I've never been interested in before. Yeah. Part of me is like cool welcome to my world you know like you know you're gonna love it kind of thing but you know I, I don't want to even imply to those people but I also don't want to take away that potential for hope in the back of their mind I don't want to like be like oh you have absolutely no chance at all whatsoever so I, I try to give them this very soft answer of well as long as you're comfortable with the fact that I'm not offering this for any therapeutic reason if you're still looking to get the piercing because you want it as a piercing I'm happy to perform that for you, but...
0: And I think that's probably the most sensitive and professional way to handle it. Yeah. Uh, One of the things that really frightens me and what I think a lot of piercers, and and I don't think there's a ton of piercers out there that are offering this for therapeutic reasons, uh, but the ones that do uh, tend to very, very loudly. Yeah, very blatantly. One of the things that I don't think they realize is that if they're going to do that, they need a completely different form of insurance. Yeah. Uh, And it's probably going to be quite a bit more expensive.
1: I I would imagine that the first time there's a lawsuit because someone sued for false advertising, you know, that that will shut a lot of those people up. Yeah. And then who knows how long
0: that will take, right? Uh, uh, But you don't want to be the person that that happened to. Um, And it's not what false advertising is the is the best case scenario. Yeah. Me- medical Practice malpractice. medicine without a license. Yeah, that's yeah. the one that's scary. Yeah. Um, and that's the other thing is I'm kind of torn with Doth piercing because it's one of my favorite piercings, right? Um, I've written about it because I think the name is cool and the pronunciation is cool and I like yeah. that story. Um, uh, I'm is the biggest fan of Eric Dakota. And Do you want to
1: give people like the short version background of it?
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it's uh, it's also published in The Point, but very briefly. Uh, Eric Dakota did the first, Pierce, first off piercing, supposedly, um, in Santa Cruz, California, on a young woman named Teresa. Teresa was uh, teaching herself Hebrew. I, I'm inferring that she was probably doing Kabbalah, um, and... Named the piercing doth, which is the Hebrew word for knowledge, and it's spelled D A I T H. And she's close, but not right. It would have been D A apostrophe A T dot, um, or D A apostrophe A S dos. And um, it's the knowledge uh, of the tree of life. Um, And who knows, right? Um, uh, I also was teaching class on the doth where I made that reference, and apparently the piercing had to been done beforehand at the gauntlet under a different name entirely okay. and I forget what that name was um, but the, the Doth name spelling pronunciation stuck in large part because I think Eric's such a charismatic and sort of revered figure Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah I, so that's the background on the spelling So I've, I'm, I'm just a huge fan of it I also think like there's a very specific angle that it needs to be at uh, and the one that makes it look the most aesthetically pleasing and doesn't interfere with rook piercings and stuff uh, so I, I just I really geek out on the piercing uh, and I would hate for the fact that it, let's let's say it turns out that it does cure migraines right? right it is the miracle cure that everyone's hoping it is that's in a way that's awesome and super powerful right but I tend to think piercers won't be allowed to do it anymore. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I, I mean, there's there's a pretty strong precedent, and I think that hopefully it would be kind of grandfathered in. Where I'm, I'm sure that if it was proven, the medical industry would ramp it up into some ridiculous fashion that's a little bit farther away from body piercing, uh, where they can
0: charge a thousand dollars for it instead of maybe fifty or a hundred dollars for it. Right, right. And but I, you, you could you could see like. It's in the realm of possibility that it's, sure that your Department of Health says, "Hey, you are not allowed to do that." Yeah. that's for doctors You're only. not a qualified yeah. Doth healer. Exactly, right. and, and so I don't, I don't know. If, I don't necessarily think that's likely, but it's in the realm of possibility. Yeah. Um, but it could also mean that our insurance rates go through the roof, mm-hmm. right? Um, it, it, it's a very complicated issue, and um, I, I think it's. Uh, I don't think there's an easy answer. I don't think there's one right way to approach the thing. But what you were saying, the way you talk to your customers about it, I think is really sensitive, really professional. I do something very, very similar.
1: Yeah, I I was never really... I I wouldn't consider myself dismissive in the way that I talked to them before, but I was was very clear that, you know, do not expect a benefit Mm -hmm. kind of thing. You know, not really like crushing their dreams, but, you know, maybe taking away a little bit of their hope. Uh, And now it's just kind of one of those things where... I've said what I need to say. Uh, if you still want it, if you still have faith in your date, <laughs> um, then, then let's go for it. You know, um, and I, again, I, I love doing that piercing. But so you were saying that Rick Free mentioned that there's a potential study in the works.
0: Yeah, and this I, this is a casual mention online that I I hope I'm getting correct. But I, Rick Free, who's at 23rd Street, had mentioned. That there was some kind of study that has either been performed or is ongoing. Um, one of the things that I think I, I zoomed in on early was that um, it didn't seem to matter if you had actually gotten your Doth pierced for it to be effective. Okay. Um, and I i say that because i you know read a lot about it and there was a lot of people that were getting rooks and forward helixes and they got my doth pierce and my migraines are gone and she's like oh clearly this has way more to do with the belief than it does with the location right um so interesting not to digress too far but that's actually true of acupuncture too um they, it's very very difficult to do a blind study on acupuncture how yeah. do you fake it right? Right. right but what they are able to do is say like okay here's the ch- traditional Chinese medicine version uh, of where you're supposed to poke the needle on the ear for this condition right and measure that versus the wrong spot and it doesn't seem to matter right any spot seems to be equally effective they, they call it sham acupuncture right. as effective it seems like sham doff piercings are equally effective right Huh. And I do have that discussion with my clients when they're not well suited for the Doth piercing. Yeah. And they're very, very desperate. I was yeah. like, well, just it just turns out that I don't think it matters where it goes. Yeah, um, yeah. And people that, uh, and this is, again, a very small minority of piercers that are like, oh, we're the only ones that know the specific angle. The magic spot. Yeah. Uh, I forget what piercer it was, but they posted some
1: like kind of gripe on Facebook where a client called and uh, said, do you have anyone there who's qualified to perform a dot piercing for migraines because my friend got pierced and her piercer said that they were the only studio in the state that
0: was qualified because they knew the magic spot. Yeah, and you, and you wonder how tongue-in-cheek that shop was being when they said that, yeah. if they it, or if they were deadly
1: serious. I, I would imagine it's a situation where it's a piercer who doesn't necessarily have that long, thoughtful conversation and it's basically just like oh sure I can do that they do a piercing they get some sort of anecdotal follow up a week later like oh I haven't had a headache all week and then like oh I am a miracle worker
0: yeah there's actually uh, I I listen to too many podcasts there's an interesting thing that happens with magicians where uh, certain magicians where they actually get laid that's pretty (laughs) interesting (laughs) watch me pull a date out of my hat (laughs) Uh, no, but well played. Uh, no, where they actually start to believe that they have powers. Right. Um, and uh, it, they start to... They, they get baffled by their own BS. Uh, and and uh, it's a really interesting thing because I think that can happen to piercers too. Because when someone comes in and is like kissing your feet, like you've saved me, it's right. really t- powerful. Yeah. And, and it's, it's tough not to... Uh, uh, Drink yeah. your own Kool-Aid. Yeah, it's like that's very intoxicating, yeah. right? Like you want to be the person that's able. like, who doesn't feel yeah. good after that, yeah. right? But it's it's just it's such a dangerous and slippery slope. Yeah. Uh, be, between, Between, I always say like the balance bands thing. Balance bands worked until they didn't. Right. Right. Like they. And the people that sold them, I don't think were necessarily bad people. I think they really genuinely believed that, like, a magnet in their oh, silicone wrist. band yeah. made a difference, right? And I don't think the people that bought them were stupid, right? Like, Kobe Bryant's not a stupid guy, right? Yeah. Like he, he, It's an easy fix, and people like easy fixes. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and and really, at the end of the day, it was like a good luck charm. Like, yeah. if you had any faith in it, it was yeah. effective, yeah. right? Yeah. So, uh, uh, uh is is that patients I don't know I'm still I'm still open to the fact that they could be uh, proven somewhat effective I would love it somewhere down the road if there was a study
1: that even if it said ten percent of people had a positive proven effect you sure. know I, yeah. I, I I think it would be great but I, I'm not really holding my breath for for that study
0: I I, I think that the, the real challenge is you can't you can't. There is no uh, uh, control, right? Right. You know when you've gotten your doth pierced or when you haven't. The only hope they can have is that if they do it, uh, they give you a forward helix or a rook or a conch or something yeah. else.
1: Well, that that's that's expecting a lot from the people performing the study to even understand the, the difference. difference, rather than just like, oh, you got your you got your cartilage pierced, right? And yeah.
0: how many of them are even pronouncing it correctly yeah. with any sort of uh, 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 input from the piercing industry at large right, right. like it's reaching the, the most important people is very very challenging um, when I think the big thing is like if you see an article about it uh, in the, your newspaper or uh, on the news or anything give well, those people a call and give them uh, give the, give them some perspective just yeah. like hey Huffington Post I saw you you post this there's other information from really reputable sources. Why yeah. don't you get in touch with the Association of Professional Piercers? Yeah, like, yeah uh, because it, the
1: APP put out a statement, was it like almost a year and a half ago at this point? Yeah. It,
0: you know what's really interesting is uh, it seems like we've been doing this, the migraine cure forever. Yeah. Laura, uh, my wife, um, had stopped piercing when she was eight and a half months pregnant. Okay, uh, My son is now two years old, and she just came back to start piercing again. She did her first dos for a curative effect Yeah, uh, uh, from the, or the client was asking for it for that reason uh, two months ago. Right. She had never done one. So yeah. I was like, man, it seems like we've been doing this for five years. I yeah. was like, this is still a new thing. Yeah, it's just, of all the piercings it could have been,
1: too, it's it's kind of weird to me that it's that one, you know? And, and I'm, I would love to find out eventually if somebody like Paul King or, or somebody into anthropology wants to really dig down to the bottom of it and, and figure out where it came from, because maybe it was just that. It was a really rare period, like a Doug Malloy kind of origin. No, you know, I, I,
0: if anybody's going to have their finger on it, it's Jim Weber. Okay, uh, I'm just remembering I was supposed to mail him something. Jim Weber, that owns Infinite Tattoo, uh, Infinite Tattoo, Infinite Pen Piercing in uh, Philadelphia. Uh, he has been doing a lot of research on where it started. Okay, and there's a very early article. I want to say it was a, a State University in New York uh, group. And it was ostensibly like a uh, 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 a clinical study. Yeah. So it may have started with a study. Okay. Interestingly, uh, and you wonder like it almost seems like the group got assigned a project, and they all happened to have this piercing because it yeah. was popular on their campus. Yeah. And they're like, well, I haven't had any migraines. You know, who knows, right? Like, yeah. It, but uh, Jim Weber's is probably. Uh, the guy that I would go to about that. My my first uh, digging back, I found a, was it a chiropractor or a neurosurgeon? I forget which, and that's a very big difference. Um, uh, But he had a blog, and he had said, I think this might be effective. With, like, no possible,
1: like, cause. Do, Do you feel like it was ever just, like, somebody was, like, clicking around on the internet... They saw that that piercing, and then they just happened to look at like an like an old acupuncture chart, and they're like, "Oh, that piercing's right where this thing says you put a pin to, to cure a
0: migraine." I this probably cures a migraine. I, you know? It's it's altogether possible. Yeah, it, it, I mean, and it has all of the the pizzazz of those early Doug Malloy stories. Yeah. which yeah. are... Uh, Hearing those from Fakir is something else, actually. Yeah,
1: the whole story about the Roman soldiers holding their cape on with their nipple piercings and all that—like that's
0: gold. It's yeah, it's totally like I was just like, oh my god, that doesn't even kind of. uh, (laughs) uh, And I know we're getting way off topic, but um, uh, Paul King and I were in the anthropological museum in um, Mexico, and he and I were going around, and we saw some of the body jewelry displayed. And they had it put. They put it in certain ways where that we we were just like, from a body piercing perspective, this doesn't make sense to yeah. us. Maybe maybe it's right. Maybe this is exactly how they wore it. But he's like, what do you think they did? I was like, this is. I think this would need a wood back that's since long since the dissolved. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, that's what I think. And I think that thing that they've got, it, like a string of pearls through yeah. the holes in it. They. It, you know, the uh, the chart said like, oh, we use these, th- th- we believe that they uh, use these necklaces to hold the earrings in place and just like, I think these are just necklaces. Yeah. And yeah. I think the jewelry is held in place by wood stoppers. Essentially I saw the, the old O-rings. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. saw
1: this insane, like, thing that was supposedly for a stretched librette piercing, mm. like, very largely stretched, but it was this gigantic gold, ornate dragon head with this huge tongue and it's like, I don't even imagine how even a very strong lip could physically hold that much weight there. So, yeah, I I think that they're just kind of making assumptions about maybe some sort of, like, ornamental thing, ceremonial, who who
0: knows. Yeah. I I mean, there's a lot, but that's, it's kind of the fun of, uh, uh, those museums when you have a little bit of piercing knowledge. Yeah. Like, wow, what, did, what how much yeah. does it change the way, you know the way the body works. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I've tried that, and it failed, right? Who bailed, are the right? ad wizards uh, who came up with this one? Right, right, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Well, maybe like 20 years from
1: now, we'll look back on it and be like, oh, yeah, we were right, we were all curing migraines. Yeah, yeah, I, do. I Imagine how silly we'll look. Yeah. I could have charged a lot more. <laughs> So up last, we're gonna talk to Jeff about his new studio, Gamma Piercing in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and how that came about. For a long time, Jeff owned Rockstar Piercing in Providence, Rhode Island, a pretty big shop, and uh, he made the personal decision to kind of step away from that business and lead more of a family life, and eventually he would uh, open a smaller boutique studio, Gamma Piercing. So we're gonna talk to Jeff and uh, his journey doing that, and next week we'll be back with uh, another interview for you. So uh, another subject we can talk about You owned a a pretty well-known studio in the Providence, Rhode Island area, uh, Rockstar, and you decided to kind of move away from that larger studio, and now you've opened kind of like a more of maybe like a boutique kind of feel studio in in Michigan? Yes. So what are some of like the, what's some of your motivation behind that, and what are some of the lessons you learned going in from, from kind of a larger studio to purposely a smaller
0: studio? Well, I mean, so there's a lot... To discuss with that, uh, Rockstar was uh, my first love. Uh, I wouldn't have sold the shops if uh, my wife and I weren't in the situation where we wanted to move closer to her family because we start, had started a family. I right. I loved it. Uh, I still love it. I'm so happy for the people that uh, own it now, which is my former business partner and my old apprentice, Peter Jet. Um, Uh, they're really and they're doing great things with it they relocated one of them and it's beautiful the bigger Uh, or the smaller studio this the the first that was busier but was smaller is now on the first floor which we had never had a first floor studio Um, they moved to a bigger space uh, with two piercing rooms and that was something that that shop had needed for years um, and we weren't ever able to find the right spot. And then they were motivated to do it. And they just they pulled the trigger in a really nice way. I think That's great. they've got an awesome thing going on. I'd imagine it's like
1: a, a feel-good moment when you can kind of pass the torch to someone who, who keeps it going rather yes. than lets it decline.
0: No, Not only that, but improves upon it. Yeah. Genuinely. Like, yeah. I, 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 and so there's a lot that was interesting in the, the couple of years that separated me leaving Rockstar and opening Gamma is, is almost it was two months shy of two years so uh, in that time I got to do a lot of guest spots around the country and I went to so many piercing facilities like smaller boutique ones like uh, Modern Ritual uh, in Ohio big crazy, busy shops, like I've always guest pierced at Infinite in Philadelphia and 23rd Street in Oklahoma, Uh, and, uh, you know, all those different experiences, I got to see what was working in an area and what wasn't working, what I liked about the way I did things. And then in the middle of it, I got to do a guest spot at Rockstar again. Yeah. Um, and I think that was probably the most eye-opening thing because I got to see the changes that were made. I was very impressed. Uh, but in addition, uh, I felt at home, but not in a way that, like... Sure, I was piercing my old regulars, right? Like, that felt like at home. Yeah. But I felt comfortable in my own skin. As, and uh, as a piercer... I think there's a huge value in that. One of the things about guest piercing is it takes you out of your uh, uh, comfort zone and makes you sort of learn, and that's great. But once I was back in my comfort zone, I was twice the piercer I was anywhere else. I I was significantly better at it. I feel like one of the biggest impacts on my career is going to work at
1: Pinpoint in Oslo, Norway, because Christiana and Sala are they're so refined and they're so professional and their studio is so thoughtfully laid out that just being in that kind of environment, like, you know, you know, if you have skills, they, it polishes them to such a degree where you go home and then you're kind of emulating what you learned there. And, um, it, it made me a lot more well-rounded and my studio a lot more well-rounded
0: too. Yeah. I, 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 and I, I definitely had those experiences where I was, I was like, I learned so much from the people I was going to, um well long story short when we started to build gamma i knew a couple things had to be carried over from rockstar uh and the first thing was uh the the second rockstar was my first fully disposable shop and i'd fallen in love with it to this day i still think it's just a really wonderful way to do body piercing and it's the one that i'm the most comfortable with uh uh, but I also knew from a jewelry perspective exactly what I wanted the shop to look like okay. and it, uh, uh, it was very, very different from what uh, I had done at Rockstar initially. Um, I, I definitely wanted a really small curated selection. And this was based in large part on what was, uh, uh, Cody Vaughn was doing at Vaughn Body Arts in Monterey because that was one of the shops that I would go to and be like oh he's he's really outthought me on this
1: yeah because it seems like he's put a lot of specific thought into what he wants and almost specifically what he doesn't want yeah,
0: yeah. and that that was one of the what jewelry I didn't want was a big part of it yeah um, and when you go to the shop I I think at first you're, you're sort of struck by how little is in it um, and in large part, that's because we ran out of money. <laughs> uh, but the other part was that I was never going to be, blow you away with the, my jewelry selection. It was always going to be very small, very curated. Um, and I still have plenty of uh, uh, jewelry that I'm going to add, but it's still probably going to look a, a lot like a lot pared down from other yeah. piercing shops. Well,
1: I think one of the biggest mistakes that pe- people who are a little bit younger in their career. Uh, they think they need everything, and they, they spend so much money that they could use for shop improvements and personal improvements, education, things like that. On jewelry they'll never sell,
0: and yeah. it just sits there in the case. Yeah. And that was something I did at Rockstar uh, was, and, and they've since pared down from this, but I had every color gemstone and Adam Metal made. In every size navel curve, every nostril screw, every 16-gauge threaded end. There's a tremendous amount of jewelry that could only be used in one or two piercings, right? right? Having a ton of navel jewelry is all well and good, but I'm not doing 20 navels a day, right? right? Uh, uh, And doing a ton of nostrils... Uh, not everyone wants nostril screws. So when we opened Gamma, we didn't even carry any nostril screws. Yeah. It just it made more sense for us to be able to multitask the jewelry. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's not that I'm against nostril screws, but from a financial point of view, they didn't make a lot of sense for me.
1: Well, I mean, it's not like you have to have it and I feel like a lot of my clients, I'm, I'm the same way. I have maybe 10 nostril screw options and those are only for the people that Specifically, ask for them, yeah. and then I have everything else in threadless. And when I explain it to people, especially people who have already worn
0: nostril screws, they say, "Oh, yeah, that makes so much sense." I hated having that little tail inside my nose. Yeah. Uh, and then one of the other things that was really different for me, uh, Rockstar, at one point, I think at its most, we had fifteen employees. Oh, wow! So it was a it, it, it was a monstrous shop in terms of coordination, and I had really capable, awesome people managing and ordering jewelry and stuff but and and i think you're probably in a unique position to appreciate this as much as you might go in with the with the dictator approach it's my way the highway yeah that doesn't really work if you want to have a good working relationship with people you've got to listen to their input yeah and with 14 other people at the shop giving me their input input constantly it sort of stifled the thing that i think I'm the most I'm, I'm the best at yeah. Which is trying new things Yeah, uh, Doing new things Then three days later figuring out It didn't work right. and starting new Happens all the time at Gamma. Yeah. Right? I get to do that whenever I want Because it's just me and my wife And I still have to negotiate with my wife And thank God because the shop would not be Nearly as good if I didn't have her As like a voice of reason But uh, It's just us so I get to try all these crazy things. I got to spend five thousand dollars on an aftercare sheet, right? What? And uh, it's awesome. <laughs> I w- if I had to do it again, I'd spend ten. Yeah. Like I love my aftercare sheet, wow. and um, it's it's expensive, but uh, my philosophy going into our aftercare sheet, which I built with uh, Danny Greenwood uh, from Cold Steel, was that. I'm asking more and more for my customers in yeah. terms of the amount of money that I'm uh, 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 they're spending, right? And I think you've probably been in the situation where you spend a lot of money on a piece of electronic equipment, yeah, whatever, new PlayStation. And if you're like me one of the things you really enjoy is when you go home opening the package and then going through all the instructions and just like okay oh I didn't even know my GoPro did this I'm yep. so glad I have that but I was getting selling people thousand dollar pieces of jewelry and then giving them a photocopied one-page thing that didn't talk about their jewelry at all right it didn't make sense to me at all yeah uh, so we made the uh, aftercare sheet and jewelry users manual. Okay. Um, and so the aftercare portion's very similar to everything I always said at Rockstar. That wasn't where I spent money or went crazy. Uh, it was developing uh, uh, graphic design and images for uh, the, jewelry the jewelry side. The jewelry side, and then I, you know, graphic design was relatively expensive because Danny's a friend of mine, um, but. When you're buying as many aftercare sheets as I was, it was a big, scary experiment. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't $5,000 up front, mm. but it, it definitely will be that over the course of a year. Uh, Considering how popular the Aftercare sheet was, and and how I'm just giving it to everybody because I'm really proud of it, and I think it really—well, it's really good advertisement too, even if they haven't become a customer yet. Yeah, they—they—they understand how their jewelry works, and I think there's a huge value uh, for even people that aren't my customers that they understand like this is how press fit jewelry works, this is how internal threading works. Well, if
1: if it makes you feel any better. you know you can always you can it's like you feel those waves in the force of of body piercing and when when you kind of released your aftercare packet i heard from several other people that weren't you and it's like you gotta you gotta see this you gotta you gotta see this aftercare packet it's crazy it's so well thought out and designed and then i went and i looked at it and everybody was raving about it. So, you know, whatever you invested in, it seems to have hit off. I'm
0: I'm pleased. I'm very pleased. And I, th- I, I, I hope... Uh, we actually sell it to other shops now. People will just take it. We, we're changing the photos and updating the graphic design, but then we'll add their logo to yeah. it. And, you know, if they have... Uh, um, want to change the text on it I'm not I'm not proud you can change the text like we'll work with you uh, but that's been really cool yeah. um, and she and I are actually starting a company together based on that success yeah It's great uh, uh, but yeah the uh, uh, doing taking chances like that with Gamma which wasn't possible Rockstar right? or if it was it was going to be I don't want to say watered down it was going to be contributed to in a way that uh, wasn't always to my liking, yeah. Uh, and that's not their fault. That's sort of me well, being it's, like me. you have
1: to have this balance of, I, you know, I'm going to delegate some things to trusted individuals, but at the same time, I have to understand that it's going to be their decisions and their input that influence my business. Right. Yeah. Right. And I had,
0: I, I really had just wonderful people doing it, uh, um, that were so talented and were bringing like, I. I from a jewelry selection point of view, uh, when you go to Rockstar, you just be like impressed with the jewelry combos. Yeah, I just I'm every time I go there, I'm just like, wow, this is crazy. I don't have uh, that kind of eye for jewelry. Yeah, um, so I sort it's funny because now with Gamma, I actually, when I need to get something outside of the standards, I really need to defer and like look at what other shops are doing. It's yeah. like oh, okay. I get it. It's not one of my natural abilities, um, but it's been fun. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. How do you feel like your,
1: your market has responded to it? Do you feel like they're comparing you to other shops in the area, or do you feel like they're kind of taking you as your own individual experience?
0: Well, That's actually been a really fun thing because uh, I, so uh, the area that I'm in has 130,000 people. Um, and there was one shop, yeah. uh, Providence had about 30,000 more people I owned two myself in that town than there were about five other competitors, okay. right? So, and I didn't think I had a lot of competition in Providence. So, um, when I moved to this area, uh, I had actually talked with the other piercers at the other shop, um, and, uh, they were very, very, uh, uh friendly and wished me luck, um, and, but one of the peers was like, it's going to be weird having somebody else in town. And I was just like, I, honestly, we're going to have two different clientels, And yeah. that's exactly the way it's worked. Great. They they are an excellent shop. They do a great job. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's going to be people that respond to the vibe of our shop better than the vibe of their shop. I think they're really... And vice re- versa. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The vibe of their shop's really fun and... Uh, there's a lot of colors. It's a really, really pretty shop. Our shop is black and white. Yeah, uh, and we're parents. Mm-hmm. And we and we talk like parents. And a lot of times we're just we're. we're I, I never thought I'd be saying this, especially back at when I was at Rockstar. But like, I, we're the shop for soccer moms. Yeah, right. Because because we are in effect soccer parents yeah, right like yeah. that's where we are um, and, and it's a really nice very very laid back environment um, we've heard uh, uh, really positive responses and I think uh, I'm looking forward to expanding on that relationship with the community but the, the I couldn't like Ann Arbor's clients more yeah. just uh, they are wonderful uh, the, a breath of fresh air um Uh, and I will say like I'm not uh, New England has a certain type of person and they're great I'm I'm a New Englander like I always will be but uh, they're very strong-willed yeah (laughs) and a lot of times uh, that kind of put me on edge Uh, Ann Arbor is much more Midwest okay and that sort of more relaxed more friendly approach I think I need it at this point in my life. (laughs) Do you you see yourself trying
1: to grow and expand this shop, or do you feel like you intentionally want to try to keep it smaller?
0: Uh, I don't know. A lot is, so uh, the shop's been open uh, just about three months, uh, and we haven't. We were open for three weeks while the students were in town. Okay. Then uh, there was graduation, and uh, in a college town the week of graduation is always slow. Uh, Then the students left, mass exodus, and I mean, we are, we're not just in a college town, we're on a college campus, Okay. Uh, so it was an absolute ghost town, and then the construction began and when I say the construction began it all around my shop is completely closed down because of construction okay and we're still busy really we're we're actually much busier than I think we have any business being considering all of the construction and the fact that there's no students around yeah when 90% of the population returns in September Mm. I don't know that keeping it small is going to be a possibility right Right. Uh, now maybe it is maybe uh, the students actually don't really like our who wants to get pierced by dad Right, Right? and that might be the response that I get we don't know so um, I'm not I'm trying to let it, it Find its own natural path, yeah, organic growth. Yeah. yeah, and if that means that we've got to add an extra piercing room and I hire two more piercers, then so be it. Yeah, right. But if it also means that I'm forever a seven to twelve piercer in a day shop, I'll be just fine with that. Honestly, that's my sweet spot.
1: That's yeah. what I prefer. I my my shop has grown a lot over the t- over the years, mm-hmm. and um, you know I'm in this spot now where my shop is very large, a lot of staff, uh, a lot of business. And I, I wouldn't honestly say that I'm happier for it. I'm not unhappy for it, mm-hmm. but uh, it's it's very difficult having to put on
0: those like, boss pants. It's a very different set of problems. Yeah. Right? Uh, and, and a very different set of uh, uh, privileges, right? Like when you go to conference and you're ogling jewelry, yeah. right? You've got the money to. Yeah. Oh, you're gonna and splurt. just the fact that yeah. I can be
1: at conference and not have my studio closed. I have my staff, and you know we're sitting here in Brazil, right? And my studio is open and it's fully staffed.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And whereas I had to find guest piercers and of course that's not a thing yeah. uh, when you're a boutique shop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it's ABB conference, right? Like, uh, so we were closed most of that week. Uh, yeah. No. It, it's, I, you know, I feel like, I don't think Rockstar for me was ever quite as big as Precision is for you. But um, uh, it w- it was a lot of a lot of employees, a lot of yeah. a, lo- uh, uh, yeah. a lot of personalities, and um, yeah, that's it's it's tough because I don't know I don't know which shoes I'd rather be in. Right? Yeah, uh, there, there's a thing that's great about the financial security. I go
1: back and forth, and I, I read some of your posts, and I see how happy you are, <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, oh, I'm jealous of that.
0: I you know I think. I think had I just left Rockstar and immediately opened Gamma, yes. this would not be the post-UBC. Yeah. Um, I think a large part it was the two solid years of both other work, like while I was building Gamma, I for a short spell I worked at a brewery yep. figuring out if I wanted to brew beer. I don't. <laughs> um, maybe as a hobby, but not as a job. Um, and I was also helping my father-in-law out, so there were days where, and I'm not joking, I was taking phone calls from Fakir Musafar uh, while I was delivering meat to restaurants. Okay. Uh, uh, these. These were weird days That's for a duality. me. Yeah, huh. I was—I uh, was like, this is a very strange life I'm living. Both hang from hooks, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, like I—I—I uh, I, I gained a lot of perspective, yeah. And uh, it, it, and uh, you know, becoming a dad changed things, you know. So there's a lot that was like uh, significantly different. Um, I did, i one of the things that I didn't mention was that I had a partner at Rockstar. Yeah. Who was a business partner? Yeah. He uh, uh, we're friends, um, but we weren't. You know, we went to I went to his wedding, and you know, we it, it, I knew his kids. But it's not like you were hanging out. We weren't hanging weekends. out, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he didn't know any. There was a point where I pierced his daughter's ears, and her jewelry fell out, and he had no idea how it worked. Okay, it's like you've been buying thousands of dollars of yeah. this for years, but yeah. you don't know how it works. That's funny. Now you can give him your your booklet. Now we can give him the booklet, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, no. It, it, and it's funny because my partner in this shop is my wife who yeah. is a piercer and frustratingly good at it uh in a way that really drives me crazy because you know she just took about a year and a half off uh, maternity leave came back and was already piercing like just so well I was yeah. just like, how did you not Oh my God, it's so annoying. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, uh, uh, but she's my partner in it, and it's way different for me to have a partner uh, that uh, is also a piercer and has perspective and yeah. unfortunately uh, she and I see eye to eye most of the time really I'd hope so uh, uh, well no I can imagine that you could do this thing as as um, a husband and wife team and the way it could work is that like all of my hair brand ideas she shot down yeah, yeah. Um, and she doesn't do that uh, she really makes me sound it out because one of the things that I'm good at is having this crazy idea and like just going for it And she's there to be like, make me think it through. Okay. Um, And at the end of it, very rarely do I still think, uh, uh, do I still approach the idea the same way. But it always ends up being a better idea once she's through with it. Yeah. Well, I mean, partners in life, partners in business. Yeah.
1: But that part is working out really, really nicely. Yeah. That's great. I'm really happy to to see it. Because, like, I could see, I, I wouldn't say that you looked unhappy at all during the rock star years but I could see the frustration sometimes mm-hmm. I could see the joy and the pride too sure. but I could see the frustration and then when you when you took that time off and then just seeing you go through the process of, of building gamma like you just always had this big smile on your face even if you look stressed it would still be this
0: like prideful stress yeah yeah it's been I, I, I'm, I'm well, I'm glad you noticed that. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Uh, and yeah, it's it's been a really, really wonderful experience. I, could, That's great. I, I couldn't have a better town. I couldn't have a better partner. Uh, even like from a competition point of view, like yeah. wonderful competitors. Yeah, that, no bricks through your window. Right. I could. I and I can send them stuff that I, uh, you know, for example, I don't do service anchors. Yeah. Right. I can send them work. That's right? great. It's great. And uh, they, uh, we spoke ahead of time. She's like, hey, if you see a consistent issue, let me know. And they're like, oh yeah, same thing here. And of course, I don't you know it's great so it's it's just a a lot of the headaches that uh, you could have I've avoided that's that's fantastic I mean that's
1: literally living the dream yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. so um, if people want to find your shop where do they find it in the world and on the internet
0: Uh, so we are 1214 South University Avenue uh, Ann Arbor Michigan And uh, my website is www.gammapiercing.com. And the aftercare sheet that we were talking about, there's a PDF that you can download for free of it if you just want to see it. Uh, And that's under the aftercare heading. Um, You can also find me at piercingnerd.com where I write piercing stuff. Uh, But uh, yeah, please stop by the shop. It's fun. Yeah, great. All right. Well, I wish you continued success. Thanks.